they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Here it is. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We're able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it was or it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. We'll stop there, though we're going to go a little bit further than that. Father, we pray, as we always do, that you would teach us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit, whom you have told us will remind us of all things, will teach us of things, teach us things, will empower us to carry out the things that you've taught us. We're so grateful, Lord. Lord, (laughs) we come to this relationship with all our baggage and sins. And, And you come with all the goods. We come in need... And and you come to the relationship with the answer to every need we have. We're grateful to you, Lord. Thank you. Would you teach us as we study your word in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, this is the third time that Jesus told his disciples of what was coming. So third time, Jesus uh, pulls them aside. He tells them, that these are the things that are going to take place. And as you look at this, you know, at face value, you begin to wonder um, what was wrong with these men. (laughs) You know, at face value, you would think that um, uh, James and John, did you really think that that was the best time to ask who could sit on your right hand and who could sit on your left hand after Jesus said what he just said? Do you really think that that was wise, you know? I mean, at face value, that's how you would approach this portion of Scripture. You would think these men were so insensitive, so out of touch with what Jesus was saying, what Jesus was teaching. But we'll see in a few moments here that they really, they were out of touch, but it really wasn't their fault. Boy, that sounds so gracious, but we'll, you'll see what I mean in just a moment. It says that Jesus was going before them. And in Isaiah 50, chapter 50, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God will help me. The me there is Jesus. This is a messianic uh, uh, 
portion of scripture. And I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I, this is Jesus speaking, this is pre-incarnate Christ. He says, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. It speaks of Jesus' determination. I've come for a task, and I'm going to carry out that task. There's nothing that's going to stop me. I'm moving ahead. So this is what is in the heart of the Lord. This is, you know, his determination and his outlook and everything else. From the disciples' perspective, they're reacting to something, to something they're seeing, because Jesus hasn't really said anything yet. But look what it says in verse 32. It says, they were amazed. So as Jesus is going before them, the disciples, they see him, and they're amazed. The word means to be surprised or astounded. And then it goes on just a little bit further to say, and they were afraid. So they were amazed and they were afraid. And the word afraid means to be alarmed. Um, I I kind of picture, you know, when someone jumps out and goes, boop, you know, and they're kind of alarmed by this. Now, what was it? Guys, when you read the scriptures, it's important that we ask the questions, you know, because this is how we open our minds and our hearts for for the word of God. Not that we have all the answers, not that we could fill in the blanks and know exactly what, obviously, what people were thinking or, or, you know, we have the text, but, but I think it's good to ask questions. And when I look at this, I wonder, you know, was it the way Jesus looked? Was there something in his look? Was it his determination as he's kind of marching, you know, headlong into Jerusalem? Was it uh, the way he was walking? You know, I I don't know. Uh, Was it his mood? Was he maybe in a somber mood as they were walking ahead? You know, was it the type of thing where maybe as they're talking, um, someone says, uh, Jesus, and they ask him a question or they're talking to him and maybe he doesn't respond maybe that was it and they thought well he seems preoccupied he seems distracted by something we have no idea what it was all we see is that they were astounded they were alarmed they were amazed they were afraid and yet they still followed Jesus and that's the first bit of life application from the text that I get from it You know, guys, we, none of us know what will happen a moment from now. Not one of us will know what may happen. And not that we need to live in fear, but we need to be prepared. So how do we prepare ourselves for the unknown? You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but we need to be prepared. How do we prepare ourselves? Well, we need to be people of the word. We need to be people who are constantly growing in our faith. Our faith is becoming stronger every day rather than weaker. I don't know if you guys pay attention to such things. It's really not that important, I guess. I was thinking of all the uh, Christian musicians that are bonkers, you know. These guys, they have top... Uh, uh, recordings, you know, songs or whatever uh, on the Christian charts. And yet many of these are coming out and either they're openly homosexual, lesbian, um, and the church is now supposed to embrace that without any problem. Or uh, there have been many that 
have, um, you know, their well-known names, you know, singers and all. And they've come out and decided that they're no longer uh, believing in Christ and they're deconstructing their faith. And for some reason, they feel that they need to do that publicly in front of everyone else. Isn't that wonderful that they do that? They're so self-centered. Maybe they were always self-centered. Maybe that's why they got into the business in the first place, because they wanted the focus on them. But you see this, and you look at these things, and you say, what's happening to the world? And you have to ask yourself, did they ever truly believe? Were they false believers from the very beginning? Some would say, yes, that's what they were. They were false believers. You know, it's interesting. I've been reading through uh, the Bible. You know, I'm always reading through the Bible Presently, I'm reading through the book of Isaiah. I was telling the first service that uh, my reading of Isaiah last night, I'm in the, you know, 50s chapter. So I'm, I'm reading things that really tied in with what our text says today about the sufferings of Christ. And I love that about the Bible. That's how faith comes by hearing and hearing comes uh, by the word of God. It's not this magical formula. It's that as you're reading, as you're reading in Isaiah, a book that was written by a Jewish prophet long before the incarnation or Jesus, God coming in the flesh uh, to Bethlehem, long before that ever happened, the Lord revealed through Isaiah to the people of Israel the things that would happen to the Messiah, the sufferings of the Messiah, but also the reign of the Messiah. And, and you look at that and you say, wow, isn't this amazing? This is why the Bible is under attack. Because oh, all these books that were all written by the same person, you know, in a very short period of time. It's like they're oblivious to the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and all the, you know, the things that we have proving the dating and, and, and the uh, different books of the Bible and all. They don't even care about such things. They just want to attack. But when you look at the scriptures... And you see how God reveals something, and then we see the fulfillment of that in the New Testament with Jesus. That should cause us to be excited, because there are prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, but the Lord says, these are going to happen. See, So rather than having a flippant attitude of kind of like, well, I don't care. I, you know, all that, my, my view is the pan view. It will all pan out in the end, you know. No, you, you're going to be a person that says, I'm a child of God. He's my father. He's revealed things to me as his child. I want to know these things. I want to understand these things. And I want to be prepared for what's coming. The disciples. I love the fact that even though they were afraid, even though they were alarmed and amazed and, and you know, all of the, that they continued to follow Jesus. And we need to have the same determination to follow Jesus regardless of our feelings or our fears. Because there will always be something that will cause us to feel a certain way. Man, I'll tell you what, if your faith is built upon your feelings... How horrible is that? You probably lose your salvation every time there's a gloomy day, you know. Um, Or lose hope that God is on the throne, you know. I just don't believe it today. Why not? I just don't feel it, you know. It's got to be much deeper than that. And as far as fears, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things to fear in this world. A lot of things. Look at the White House. That keeps me up at night. 
So Jesus takes the 12 aside, and once again, he begins to tell them what will happen to him when they get to Jerusalem. Now, it's not going to affect them directly. I mean, it will, but, but they're going to be okay. These things are going to happen to him. And he goes through the list, and let's look at it again, verse 33. So the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, that would be the Romans, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And in the third day, or in the third day, he will rise again. They will betray him. It literally means to surrender, to give up, to yield up. That's what they'll do to Jesus. And they'll condemn him. It literally means to judge against or to sentence. And then it says to deliver him. It's the exact same word as we have in the word betrayed, to surrender up or to yield up, to give over. And then we have the word mock. They will mock him. It means to jeer, but it also means to inflict actual insult upon. The mocking that Jesus underwent was not just words, as you guys know. It was actions. When they would blindfold him and slap him in the face and say, prophesy who who hit you? That was mocking. They were mocking him with actual physical insults and, and assault. And so they would mock him and then scourge him. You know, we're told that the Romans, when they would scourge a man, and many times, you know, Bible Christians, you know, they, they'll say, uh, well, they could only scourge him 39 times. Not true, not true, not true. That was for the Jews. The Jews did not scourge Jesus. The Romans scourged Jesus. The Romans could beat him all day long. They could have beat him until he died, if that was their you know, desire. Not that he would have died, because his purpose of coming was to die upon the cross. But they would take a man, and they would strip his clothes. I say a man, because as far as I know, they never scourged women. But they'd take a man, they would strip him, and then they would take him and bend him so his back is bent and they would tie him to a whipping post they would do that so that the back was completely exposed like this and then also as a scourge it wouldn't just hit the back but the the uh, leather straps would come around the torso and just begin to rip the skin away Um, sometimes they would even lay him on a rack so they would lay him out they could do that face up or face down and they would do that. And so you could imagine the force. It's not just a, you know, like this, but you could put your full force into it, downward force. So the scourging was horrible. The Roman method of scourging was horrific. Even uh, non-biblical authors write about the scourgings of the, of the Romans. Again, Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. You say, well, Jesus was just uh, following the script. No, 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 no. Jesus was fulfilling. It wasn't like he was check, check, check. He was simply doing what he did and, 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 you know, dealing with what was coming his way, I mean, how can you control the people? Okay, now this is where you begin to spit at him, you know. Uh, you can't control other people. 
It's the Lord who's the eternal God outside of time. And he's telling, he's saying, here is a snapshot. Here is a picture of what's coming. So that when it comes, you may know that I am God. That I know the beginning from the end. Well, Jesus said that they would spit on him. I can't think of a more disgusting thing than to have someone spit on you. For me, that is uh, low, 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 horrible. Um, Though I've had (laughs) men spit, maybe not deliberately, but in anger. You know, I had a guy, Tracy and I saw him just recently. He's spitting in my face, and I backed up, and I said, would you stop spitting at me, you know? And uh, so it's, it's very offensive, very disgusting, in my opinion. And then he said that they would kill him, and I don't think that we need any further information other than it was absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Now, in Luke chapter 18, verse 31 Listen to this. It says, Behold, Jesus was speaking. He says, Behold, speaking on the same account, he says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Mark doesn't give us Old Testament scriptures as much as Luke did and Matthew did because of who they were writing to. Most likely, Mark was writing to more of a Roman audience. And so he knew that they wouldn't necessarily be concerned with the scripture quotations. But, but Luke tells us that Jesus made it clear. All of the things that were spoken of me, all of these things will be fulfilled. In essence, it's like, you know, guys, if you're paying attention, these things will not take you by surprise. They will just be confirmed when you see them come to pass. Now, I want you to think of that for a moment because we're living in the, in the days where Bible prophecy is about to burst forth. I mean, Bible, the fulfillment of Bible prophecy is about to burst forth. And we're seeing so many changes in the world. And if we take this, this very flippant kind of hands-off approach, you are cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. But you're also causing yourself to be lulled into a dullness. Read the scriptures. Read what the Lord had to say concerning the children of Israel. He called them out. He rebuked them because of their dullness. Now, you can't rebuke someone who's dull by nature. They have no other choice. I mean, how would we know? How am I supposed to know these things? But the Lord could surely rebuke people in whom he has sent Messenger after messenger after messenger to them, preparing them, warning them. You know, guys, I hope that you're students of the word. I hope that you're reading the Bible. I hope that you have a paper Bible. I don't, uh, I was thinking recently, you know, sometimes I meet people, you know, I'm, oh, I'm a missionary. I'm a, and they come to church and they don't even bring a Bible. And to me, that's so strange. I can't imagine going anywhere without a Bible. It's not that I carry a Bible into like a restaurant with me. Though we used to do that back in the day. I don't do that any longer. But 
But I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine going on vacation uh, uh, without my Bible because I want to read the Word of God. I want to. I want to. I want to hear what the Lord has to say. I, I believe that the Lord can speak to me as His child through His Spirit by way of His Word, and He does many times. And many times I could look at a portion of Scripture where maybe the Lord is correcting Israel of old, and I can. I can read it and, and maybe at times just sense that the Holy Spirit is just kind of gently saying to me, you know what, Danny, this applies to you right now. I want, I want, you, to, I want you to consider what's being spoken here. So we need to be people of the word. We need to be people who are reading the word, believing the word. We're told by Jesus that the the, the thing, if I could put it that way, the thing that motivated Jesus to suffer all the things that he suffered was his love for us. Now, as I say that, most of you are probably thinking of John three sixteen. you know, God so loved the world. But that's not the scripture I was thinking of. The Lord's much more specific than that later on in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15 and verses 13 through 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, he's obviously speaking of himself because he goes on and says, You are my friends if there's a condition. See, guys, this is those things that I'm referring to as you're reading the scriptures. Are there things that stop you dead in your tracks? And you say, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. If. If what? If you do whatever I command you. Really, Lord? I think the longer we walk with the Lord, there should be times that we pause and we think about what we just read and what's considered there. And, you know, I got off track because I'm talking so much. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do up here. But I talked about, you know, the musicians. Were they saved? Were they not saved? It's interesting, as I'm reading through... For example, the pastoral epistles, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, the pastoral epistles. It's interesting how Paul wrote to Timothy on a number of occasions in these epistles that there are those who have turned away from the faith. So when I read that, for me personally, it just means that at one point they were pointed toward the faith. Were they believing or not? I don't know. Who knows man's heart? But there are things, like the love of money is one of those things. You know, some people, they fall into all sorts of strange temptations and everything else because they want to get rich and, you know, and all of this. And he says, you know, they, they are turned away from the faith. We need to be people that are constantly feeding on the word of God so that we're not turning away, but we're turning toward. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all things that I have from my Father, I have made known to you. He's our friend if we do whatever he commands us. If he's our Lord, is he your Lord? Listen, if he's your Lord, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and I know it sounds so uh, exclusive, but it's true. If you're his, 
You have his spirit. You're taking seriously your walk with him. You're reading, you're studying his scriptures. You will see things from his word that others will not see. Because they're dull to his word. And you're not dull to his word. You're sensitive to his word. And you'll see things. You know, I I don't want to get too far off track, but I was talking with Nehemiah a little bit between services. And, you know, kind of a, a topic that we bring up quite a bit because of the days in which we live and the things in which we see. We believe that we're living in the last days. And and we uh, happen to be pre-trib. We believe that uh, the Lord will remove the church before the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. Different from pre-wrath, you'd have to look into that, but pre-trib. So before the tribulation begins, we believe that we're out of here. And as we were talking, I said, you know, I can't point to a verse and say, this is proof that, this, that there is a pre-trib rapture. It's not the verse, it's the doctrine. Did you understand that? See, this is why as students of the word, it's not just memorizing verses, it's knowing the doctrines of the Bible. Do you understand what I mean? There is a doctrine of angels. So we get that not from one verse, we get that from the book as a whole. There is a doctrine of sin. There is a doctrine of salvation. There is a doctrine of, I mean, there's all these, the the doctrine of God the Father, doctrine of God the Son, doctrine of uh, God the Holy Spirit. We see these throughout the scriptures. And so as you look at the scriptures and you begin to put the pieces together and say, this is what the Lord taught. So therefore, I believe these things. Now, if we're wrong about something, well, you know, it will become apparent and we'll change our view on those things. But it's important that we're students of the word. Well, why didn't they understand? Luke tells us. Luke chapter 18, verse 34, listen to this. But they didn't, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So this is the clarity that we needed. Mark, we needed clarity because we're beginning to think that these these disciples, these 12, were dummies. They were dull. They were insensitive. They could care less about what you were going through, Jesus. All they could care about is, where's my position? I want a position. I want a place of honor. I want a place of authority. But Luke is the one who tells us these things were hidden from them. They heard the words, but they were hidden from them. They didn't understand these things. And you wonder, why would you hide something like that? Why would the understanding of this be hidden? And and I don't know, but perhaps because these men of all men would probably do everything they could to keep him from going to Jerusalem. Don't you think? If they understood... I mean, they wouldn't understand the reason for him going. They wouldn't understand the reason for the mocking and the, and the you know, the being handed over and the scourging and the death and the, you know, three days in the tomb and all of that. They wouldn't understand that. But they would have understood this is not going to be a good thing for our rabbi, for our master, for our Lord. They probably would have kept him from going. At any rate, we need further information. Guys, don't draw conclusions. Listen, some, some 
of God's people, some of professing Christians, are so easily stumbled by the smallest little thing. There's a contradiction. And you read it and you go, well, I guess that is a contradiction. I, well, I guess I can't believe what I used to believe. I mean, honestly, if our faith is that weak to where we don't know the scriptures and we don't know how to handle the scriptures and say, no, 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 that's not a contradiction because let me show you. And then you are able to take people. And we're not going outside of the word of God. People who have a weak argument always go outside of the word of God. Whereas children of God stay in the contents of the word of God. We just bring people back to the word of God. The word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept. So they didn't understand. So they thought it would be a good idea, you know. uh, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. Okay, what do you want me to do? We're told from Matthew that it was actually James and John's mother who came and asked Jesus if one of her sons could sit on his right hand, which would be the the highest position, you know, and one on the the left. It was mom who did it. Uh, Hey, guys, by the way, I think that sometimes, because, you know, if you... um, (laughs) Don't watch The Chosen. I don't know why that came out, but don't watch The Chosen. Because it's junk. It's not, it's, 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 you talk about adding to, that's what they do. I mean, completely. And there's so many reasons why you don't want to touch that thing with the 10 foot pole. You know, there was a Jesus movie that came out in the late 80s. It was, I remember Tracy and I going to the theater to see it. In Grass Valley, we had one of those great big theaters, you know, like the old timers will remember, you know, the big chandeliers and, you know, and we went there and it was the gospel of Luke word for word. I mean, there was no, the only act, you you had the figures, you know, you had the actors in it, but every word that was spoken was directly from the Bible. So that's safe. You want to watch a Jesus movie, watch a movie like that, you know. But there are, there are many who, um, there's, you, you get the idea that it was just Jesus and the 12. But you know, guys, as you read the scriptures, there's hints that it wasn't just 13 of them. There were women that came along. I think that Mary, the mother of Jesus, probably were with them most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. John's mom might have been there. We know of the different Marys. They were probably there at different times, depending upon where they were in the region. There were other men that were there. Mark was there. Because Mark was there in the garden. Do you see what I'm saying, guys? That there were a lot of people that were following Jesus. It wasn't just the 12. Now, there seems to be times when the Lord would pull just them aside and he would deal with just them. But I'm sure that on the, on the outskirts, there were a lot of other people that loved Jesus. They didn't understand him completely, but they wanted to be around him. They were devoted to him. The Lord had touched their life. 
Do you think the woman who was the sinful woman, remember the woman who came into, and she's always confused with Mary uh, Magdalene. And the Bible doesn't say that it was Mary Magdalene. But the woman who came in when Jesus was at Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner, remember that? And she comes in. And, and again, we think of that because we think of our house, someone opening up the front door and coming in. But at that time, the culture, most likely they were out in the courtyard of the house because it would be cooler out there. And she comes in and she falls down and she takes and anoints Jesus' feet and she's crying and everything. And remember, Simon says, you know, if he was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this was. I love stories like that. And Jesus looks at Simon, and he did, he, he's not even addressing the woman. You know, she's just kind of doing what she's doing. And it's her expression of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. He says, Peter, or uh, uh, what was his name? I just forgot it already. The, Simon, yeah. Simon. That, that's where I got Peter. Simon, I came to your house. You didn't anoint me. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. This woman has come in. She hasn't stopped anointing my feet, kissing my feet. Those who have been forgiven much, loves much. I mean, you know, this is a, you know, it's like, whoa, that's one of those moments where you go, wow, wow. In fact, you know what? I'm going, I'm trying to go so fast, and I'm, but there was a question I wanted to, oh, here's the question I wanted to ask. It goes back to that greater love, greater love as no one. The question that I wrote down on my notes is, how should a repentant, born-again believer respond to such love? Did I mention that at this service? If I didn't, I'll, I'll mention it now, and if I did, I'll mention it again. That's the life lived. Do you, do you guys understand that? See, it's not just... Um, yeah, I, I came to faith when I was seven years old, and I've been walking with Jesus as long as I could remember, and it's almost this emotionless experience. I think there's something seriously wrong with that. I really do. Why is it that some of the and I hate to use this word, but I can't think of another word. But why is it that some of the most flamboyant or expressive, that would be a better word, expressive people concerning their faith are people who have really messed up in their life? And I think it's because they're just in awe that God has forgiven them. I can't believe you forgave me. I can't believe you saved me. I can't believe you washed me. I can't believe. And they want to talk about Jesus. They want to tell people about Jesus. They're like beggars who found a good deal, you know, and say, hell, you got to come and meet Jesus because he is the fountain of living water. He is the bread of life. You need to come to Jesus. He's the answer to all your woes. And I think there's something wrong when there's not that enthusiasm Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm really chopping this up. I'm, I prayed this morning that I'd keep the flow. I did a better job at the first service, so you can get that tape if you want to, or whatever, whatever we put it on. We don't tape any longer. Does tape even exist? In it? <laughs> 
Jesus says, are you, are, are you able to drink the cup that I drank? It speaks of a shared experience in common. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They respond, yes, yes, Lord, yes, we are. Because they're thinking of one thing. They're thinking of kingdom. They're thinking Jesus is going to come in. He's going to set things right. He's going to take the rightful throne of Israel. This is our king. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Save what? Oh, don't save us from our sins. We have no sins to be saved from. Save us from Rome. And sadly, there are a lot of Americans today that are saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us from Biden. I would say save us from Biden, Lord. But but not by bringing us someone else in the White House, but bring us Jesus, because he's the only answer. But sometimes, you know, we could live in the temporal, and it's just, you know, life is so difficult right now, and, and oh, we need answers, and we need this, and, and it's like, that's maybe a remedy for the moment, but not for the long run. Jesus says, indeed, you will. You will drink the cup. You will you will be baptized. They're thinking thrones. He's thinking crosses. <laughs> In your glory. My glory, yeah. <laughs> you almost wish he would have said, you know, John, you'll, the only, you'll be the only one there. In my glory. All the others will split. All the others will flee out of fear. You'll be there, John. You'll be there with my mother. You'll be there so that I could commission you to take care of my mother. That's why you'll be there, John. They're thinking of crowns and, and thrones, and, and he's thinking of the cross and the suffering and the humiliation and you know, you, you just think of how you could have it so wrong. You know, guys, John tells us, you know, the triumphal entry, they did these things, but we didn't understand why we did these things. I mean, they give us insight. We did these things. We said these things. We went here. We did this. We didn't understand it until after, after what? After he's resurrected, then we understood these things. Do you think that they... Uh, I cannot imagine them not spending the rest of their life with these aha moments exploding in their mind all the time. Oh, I get it now, Lord. Oh, Lord, I remember when you said that. I remember when you did that. Oh, Lord, oh, that's, oh, I get it. I understand. Don't we do that? We do it. We're walking with the Lord. I think I've got this figured out, you know. And then the Lord matures us in our faith. Jesus goes on and he, he wants to set them straight, you know. In verse 42 he says, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant, 
And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Ministry is not for the benefit of the minister. Ministry is for the benefit of others. You know, pastors step down from churches every week. Oh, the people, they don't appreciate me. Oh, I just don't get the recognition that I deserve. Oh, I've been doing, you know. You know, you can get the recognition now in this life and forfeit it later in the life that's eternal. Or you could take the lower way now. And prayerfully, when you stand before the Lord here, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. What would you prefer? Well, we've seen it, you know. We've, we've, we've seen, guys, we are watching we are watching Christian churches and denominations imploding all around us. It's just, it's amazing, you know. Well, what happened to that group? What happened to this group? What happened to them? And now, now we're watching the Southern Baptist Convention. What's happening to them, you know? Southern Baptists, they used to be people taught the word. And no doubt there are pastors that are still faithfully teaching the word within the Southern Baptist denomination. But so many of them are going the way of others. The Presbyterians, the Methodists. All of these at one time were, were denominations that God used. They were movements. They were movements. God always uses a man and then makes a movement from that man. Check it out, guys. It's not we the people. It's God getting hold of a man, of a person. And he raises up a movement. And then the sad thing is when the movement becomes a big deal, then, it wa- then it's, we want to be a denomination. Why? Because we want power. We want authority. And the Lord says, no, it ought not be that way with you. You want to be great? Become the servant of all. Could you imagine a parent saying to their children, because, you know, we want our children to succeed, but could you imagine a parent teaching their child, no, I don't want you to worry about making a lot of money. I don't want you to worry about, you know, having a great education or anything like that. I just want you to be the best servant you could possibly be. That's, what, that's what's important. Most parents would never say that. But as Christian parents, we, in one sense, we should be saying that. Because, you know what I found is that, I'm done, but what I found is that if you're truly committed to the Lord, the Lord will do amazing things with your life. He will do things with your life that you never, ever thought possible because it's him doing it. And so he gets the glory. 
So when people look at you, they'll say, God is good. <laughs> because that's the only reason you're doing or you've done or you're, you know, that's the only reason because it's the Lord. We need to be people who are humble. Worship team, come on up. We need to be people who are humble. We need to be people who are responding to the marvelous gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins. I was saying to the first service, you know, and I I don't know if you ever think such things, but I'll tell you, the longer I walk with the Lord, I... By his grace, you know, almost going on 45 years of walking with Jesus. And I'll tell you, the first 20 years of my life, especially my teens, were bad. They were bad. And it blows me away that the Lord has saved me. I don't look back and say, boy, I was a mess when I was 17 when I was 18, I look at myself at 64 and I say, you know what, Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, if it wasn't for your blood, because thoughts enter my mind that are not pleasing to you. Actions, you know, attitudes enter my heart that are not pleasing to you, Lord. If, we're, if, it's not, if you're not the one, if you're not the Savior, if you're not my Lord, I have no standing at all. And I would say that if, if you haven't come to that conclusion yet, I, I hope that you get there because <laughs> that is the road to greatness. Emptiness. Servitude. Humility. Not I, but Christ. That is the road. That's the road that he wants. Because when we're in heaven, you know, I, um, I like music. I love music. I, um, we've always been around music. My parents loved music. We always had music playing in our home and all kinds of music, you know. Uh, classical music and rock music and music, always music. And and um, and my kids, we raised them, you know, music. And, you know, it's, it's not a surprise that we have, you know, <laughs> music in our family. And um, Where were we? We're someplace. Oh, we were at the, the, the fair down in Langley. And so we kind of came around, and there was some music playing on the stage. So I'm holding little Fiona's hand. And she's standing there, and she's kind of going like, oh. And I'm just looking at her, and I'm thinking, man, you know, she's a music baby, you know. So I, I told Marielle, I said, boy, she just, you know, she hears her music, just starts moving. She goes, yeah. Where was she when she made that comment? Was it with other Oh, you did, yeah, so they were, you know, because mom and dad and uncles are in a band, you know, you guys know, so, uh, I would say Soapbox, that was my son's band, um, Weak Sheep. I, I have this mental block about that, but anyway, um, and they were playing music, and everyone was just kind of sitting there very dull, you know, 
And, um, and little Fiona said, what's wrong with these people? It's music. Be happy. <laughs> you know? Anyway, stand with me. I've labored your patience long enough. Father, we pray that we'd be a people who are grateful to you, truly, truly grateful to you. We pray that we'd be a people of your word. We pray, Father, that we'd be a people who desire, I mean, we look forward to just simply grabbing our Bible, sitting down in a comfortable place, quiet, and open your Bible, and to read for 10 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, and to pray and to talk to you about what we're reading. We pray, Father, that we'd be a people who are in relationship with you, Lord, And that that would be the highest and most important relationship that we have here and now. Because it surely will be the highest and most important relationship we have throughout eternity. And so help us to be those kind of people. We pray, Lord, if any do not know you, we pray that you'd bring them to a place of surrender and repentance. In Jesus' name, amen.